So we were speaking about the, uh, we're in the chapter of Tawbah, and talking about how if uh, Tawbah is there to get rid of any obstacles that might be in the way of the one who is trying to embark on this journey towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if Tawbah removes those obstacles, then the matter, the problem here is obstacles, not necessarily sin. Okay? Obstacles. And so, yes, for uh, many of us, the main obstacle, the main bumps in the road are going to be the sin. But then there are some other obstacles as well for those who have passed that road um, or highway of sin and they're on a more level road now. There will still be some uh, bumps here and there that they want to get rid of as well. And so those are going to be not sins anymore, but other obstacles, so to speak, if you want to call them obstacles. Now, Ayatollah Jawadi does refer to them as a type of sin, but not for everybody, for some. Okay, so they're not haram or wajib that are being neglected, but it's more than that. Um, and so these, according in, in some people's dictionaries, will count as uh, sin because they are obstacles. So for some people, if I'm going to word it in another way, for some people, any obstacle is a sin. And so you've heard, probably some of you, you've heard that famous saying that Hasanatul Abrar, Sayyatul Muqarrabin. That the Hasanat and the good deeds of uh, the Abrar, the righteous ones, are sometimes considered Sayyat and bad deeds or bad things for the Muqarrabin, those who are very close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, yes, there is this whole spectrum, this whole, I don't know, continuum. Uh, it's not black and white, you know. But yes, for a person like me, it's going to be black and white. If it's wajib or haram, that's an obstacle. If it's not, then we're good. For these people, it's more than that. So I want to now, moving into these veils that we were talking about, just to go over what we, we covered last week, actually. We said that uh, the tawbah that takes place, sometimes it is for has to do with the jawarih. Sometimes it has to do with jawanih. Jawarih yeah, are the, the parts of the body that might commit sin. Versus jawanih, which has to do with the inside of an individual. Okay, so the jawarih, either it's wajib and haram that a person is messing up on. This has to do with the awam, tawbatul amma. This is a very general form of tawbah that one does for the wajib and haram. Then there's going to be the mustahab, makruh, mubah, even tarkil awla. We talked about this as well. Not doing the best that you could have done in something, even I mean, not making the best decision. Even here, this is going to be th that special tawbah. It's khas, but it still has to do with jawarih, yeah, a person's actions with their body. Then we moved on to the jawanih, yeah, that special, very special akhas, the most special tawbah, which either had to do with raf or daf. Remember, we talked about this. Sometimes something has stuck to your heart, some darkness has already overtaken your heart, you want to remove it. Sometimes, no. There is a darkness coming. You see it in the horizon, you stop it before it even reaches you. Rafa. Now, sometimes it's darkness, sometimes it's extra, not darkness, but light. It is a veil, 
at the end of the day, but it is the veil of light. So we want to talk about this. This veil of light, once again, sometimes you want to remove it. It's there. It's on the heart. You want to remove it. Okay? You remove it with that istighfar. Sometimes, no. The veil of light has not reached the heart yet, has not covered the heart yet. Yet you still do istighfar to not even let it get close. That is the Prophet. So we have four things here. Three of them are for everybody. One of them has to do with al-insan al-kamil. Yes, that perfect human being. Three of them were what? Rafa of darkness. The other one is dafa of darkness. Another one is rafa and removal of light, veils of light. Daf. And one is rafa of veils of light. Ra, uh, excuse me, da, I, I, I mixed them up, sorry. Raf, which is removal of light, veils of light. And then no, daf of veils of light. This one, this last one, this fourth one, is only for the insan al-kamil, peace saying. The other ones, others can also have. Okay? I hope that's clear. Should I say it one more time? Yes? Okay. <laughs> so, when it comes to the inside, when it comes to the heart, Okay, you are either removing darkness or you're removing veils of light or you are repelling veils of darkness. These three. These three can be for anybody. Or you are repelling, not removing, repelling a veil of light, not even letting it, not even letting it get close to you. Ayatollah Jawadi says this one is for uh, those very, very special insan kamil, a perfect human being. That he's not even affected, his heart is never covered by a veil of light even. But still, to make sure that doesn't happen, he is keeping veils of light at bay, repelling them through istighfar. And that's why he says, what is that hadith? That the Holy Prophet in this hadith, according to this hadith, he said, that even my heart can have clouds around it. So I do istighfar 70 times throughout the day. Yeah. Alright, so having said all of that, I want to go through these a couple paragraphs by Ayatollah Jawadi and then get ourselves ready for this discussion on what these veils of light and darkness are. Okay? Um, veil of light uh, and darkness. He says here, he says when we, if we uh, revisit this idea of sin, guna, sin, okay, and we pay a little more attention to it, we'll find a more accurate understanding of it. To the extent that even makruhat, mubahat, can also be considered sin. Why? Because they are considered obstacles. I've said this a million times, I'll say it again. This is not for a person like me, once again. <laughs> We're just trying to see what's out there. Okay? <laughs> I don't, I'm not even comfortable going through all of this. Like, come on, mubah is mubah. But yeah, for some people, there will be obstacles even. Never forget what I said last week about Ayatollah Misbah. That he said for some people, there's not five ahkam anymore. There's only two ahkam. That's how uh, daqiq and, and uh, precise things become. Alright. So he says... 
Of course, when I say sin, I don't mean a sin that is going to cause a person to not be adil anymore. That you can't pray behind them anymore. No, that's not what is meant here. Or that this person falls into Jahannam. No, that's not what is meant here. What I mean here is that if this person suffers from these types of obstacles, then they will be deprived of certain intellectual fadail and merits and virtues that they can you know, enjoy. This person, this type of person that even does istighfar from these things, they even see fadail as hijabs, as veils for themselves. Right? What does that mean? Not because these are haram, but because seeing these fadail, seeing these good things, experiencing these good things, can sometimes di distract a person from ummul fadail, the source and origin of all fadail. Yeah. So he says, these people, although there are some good things out there even, good things in the books of God, right, that the shar and sharia has not made haram or anything, but if it's a distraction for them, it's still a problem because it's an obstacle. It's not a sin, but it's an obstacle. And obstacles in the dictionary of Urafa are sins, so to speak. Hasanatul Abrar, Sayyatul Muqarrabin. He says it reaches a point where um, every lower level is going to be a hijab and a veil versus the higher level to it, of you know that ladder that one climbs towards Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Till you reach in this ladder that you're climbing, you reach a point where you have the asma and, and sifatullah. Alright, so you reach a point where you have the qualities of God, the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He says there it's all about now veils of light, not veils of darkness anymore. But these are veils still. Veils of what? He says these are veils. These asma and sifat, sometimes they are asma and sifat of action, of Allah's action. They become veils of the names of Allah and the qualities of Allah that have to do with Allah's essence. If you have studied theology, you'll know that the qualities of God are two types, right? The qualities of action and the qualities of essence, right? Those qualities that have to do with the action of God, like creatorship, right? Creating, things like that. Versus qualities of essence, like what? Like his qudra, like his ilm and knowledge. Although ilm can be looked at from different angles, but all in all. Uh, yeah, so he says, look, sometimes the sifat al-fi'l, qualities of action, will become veils to qualities of essence even. And then the qualities of essence become a veil for the essence itself of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So like this is really up there. And uh, uh, I personally don't know what I'm talking about right now, but he's saying these things. Okay, now... Having said all of that, this idea of veils um, is something that is spoken of a lot and mentioned a lot in the words of Imam Khomeini. And so I want to go outside of the book because the book didn't really elaborate too much on these veils, right? But we want to talk about these veils a little bit more. Uh, according to Imam Khomeini, in his different books, either it's his book of uh, the 40 hadith, uh, Sharh, the commentary he has on 40 hadiths, or some of the um, uh, transcriptions of his philosophy lessons and so on, and other books that he, that he has, like Adab al-Salat and things like that. In all of these books, he's talking about veils. Here and there, he'll talk about them, okay? Um, so it was a big thing for him. Now, the whole story begins with 
in the hadith like this one that I'll mention and other hadiths like it that says that the Holy Prophet said inna lillahi sab'ina alf hijab min nurin wa dhulma that there are 70,000 veils um, uh, that uh, that are belong to Allah and these are made of light and darkness so hadiths like this and other ones have you know caused these and push these thought to try to discover what these veils are. Why? Is it just out of curiosity? No, because they want to rip these veils apart. That's what they're after. They're like, okay, so there are obstacles out there. Some are obstacles of light. Some are obstacles of darkness. Let's get into them. Let's see what's going on. Yeah. So what sets dar veils of darkness apart from veils of light? This is my guess, okay? This is my measuring stick here that I'm going to give you my criterion um, but we'll get to some details later as well but my understanding is this brothers and sisters is that um, anything that uh, has to do with the lower level of existence alam al-madda the material realm of existence okay and keeps us there or points in that direction or anything that makes us see ourselves the nafs and so on and you will get to examples of that these are these are veils of darkness okay they're not even initially pointing to up to the to, to up above they're pointing down nafs those carnal desires the material existence of things or the material side of things these are these are the lowest level of existence anything pointing to them Anything pushing us in that direction is going to be an obstacle and an obstacle of darkness. All right. If you look down, you don't see the light. The lights are usually above, right? And so that's where obstacles of light come in, where you'll have things, concepts, whatever you want to call them, that are pointing and pushing towards God. But are they God themselves? Are the angels God? No. Is the Quran God? No. Are I don't know whatever else, the, the, the examples he gave last week, revelation, wahi, is wahi God? No, but it is connected to above more than other things such as, I don't know, hubbul jah, loving positions and money and things like that that we'll get to later. Yeah? No, no. The angels have nothing to do with the material world, right? They are a connection to above. And so, if I focus on them too much, are they God himself or not? The angels? No, they're not. So the, you, at the end of the day, you are too attached or too focused on something other than Allah. But in essence, it is something of light. It isn't something of darkness, you know? Is the Qur'an darkness? No. But if a person reaches a point where, and we'll talk about this more later, where it's just all about the Qur'an, or it's all about the Ahlul Bayt, for example, this will be something other than Allah at the end of the day, right? And so you're going to have a veil there. Right, so we'll talk about that. But that this is, in my opinion, based on the reading that I've had, this can be a criteria to discern between veils of darkness and light. See which way they're pointing. Okay. Now, the first and the mo most important one that I want to talk about, because other ones we have an idea of already. Right? Even if we get to them later in future sessions, maybe, we have an idea of them. But this one is, a, is one that I've noticed is focused on a lot with Imam Khomeini. Okay? this veil of that can be seen as darkness or light which angle you look at it 
whichever angle you look at it, that is what is going to determine if whether it's a veil of light or darkness. But we want to look at it from a darkness perspective um, more today, okay? And that is knowledge. Ilm. And knowledge, not just any knowledge, a knowledge of the deen. All right? Al-ilm al-deeni. Religious knowledge. These concepts that we have, you know, in the books. So someone will say, but wait a minute, knowledge is, is great. Knowledge is what we are pushed towards. How, if you're going to call it a veil, call it a veil of light, not a veil of darkness. Right? Light? Uh, excuse me, ilm? Yeah? Ilm is something that the deen is pushing us towards. Especially ilm of, of, of religion. To the, to the point that when you have the term ilm in your hadiths, usually it's referring to a knowledge of religion. If it's used unrestrictedly, it's usually talking about knowledge of the deen in our hadiths. Back then there was no uh, science and stuff like that the way we have it today. And so these hadiths that speak about pursuing knowledge from cradle to the grave, if you speak to ulama about them, what they'll tell you is, yeah, that what it's talking about is knowledge of the deen because that's what's going to secure your akhirah. Other forms of knowledge, those are for a halal livelihood. Wonderful, that's great. But the, the, the one knowledge out there that in and of itself has value is knowledge of the deen. So someone will say, at least call it a veil of, of light, not a veil of darkness. So that's what we want to talk about. Yes, it is a veil. it can be a veil of light, and we'll talk about that next week, inshallah. If you are taking, if you're using knowledge as glasses that you put on, that you can see God through. But because you're seeing God through the lens of knowledge, it is going to be a veil of light. But that's not what Imam Khomeini is talking about when he refers to uh, knowledge and ilm as a veil of darkness. He's not looking at it from that angle. That it is glasses that we put on to see God through. But rather, or gain an understanding of God through. But rather, it is like, if I give you an example, it is like I wear, back in our day when we were kids, there were these like sunglasses that had mirrors on the side of them. You looked in them, you saw what's going on behind you. I don't know if they have those anymore. <laughs> They probably do them at the, you can win them at Chuck E. Cheese or something. But I'm talking about glasses that you put on. They're like a mirror. When you look into the glasses, you see yourself. If ilm becomes that, it's a hijab, and it is a hijab with dhulma. It is a veil of darkness. It is not going to be a veil of light. Okay? And so he gets into it. This is super important, especially for, uh, for people today, not just scholars, but anyone who has a social media account even and talks about religion you know it's all it's all cool nowadays to talk about these things everyone's talking about religion on social media as well right and so if we're not careful this knowledge of the deen can become a hijab so let's talk about that what a hijab dhulmani a veil of darkness what's the criteria for knowledge to become a veil of darkness it says here that a person who goes and starts learning these different terminologies these different like sophisticated words yeah <laughs> and concepts and notions and stuff like that yeah of the religion of the religion and thinks and perceives that by knowing underscore knowing the word knowing here by knowing these things they have reached a certain rank, yes, a certain station. This right here is the hijab right there. It's, and it's not just a hijab of, it's not just a hijab, it's a hijab of darkness, not a hijab of light. 
all right accumulating this knowledge so he, he gives some examples here like a person knows, who knows what muqaddamatul wajib means ijtima'ul amri wal nahi in usul al-fiqh you learn this what it means asalatul wujud in falsafa what that means yeah al these kinds of words and terms and ideas that you learn and accumulate he says <laughs> it is no different than the terminology that you learn when you go and be, uh, learn geology you're a geologist for example or an archaeologist right or a, or, or, a, or a blacksmith he says or a carpenter meteorologist even <laughs> so he says there's no difference between you and them learning these things is not going to get you anywhere right once again, like it just reminds you of what, what's going on in the, in the world today, especially, right? Especially now, back then, maybe like 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, a person who knew what asalatul wujud was, they really knew. If they used the term, they knew what it was. Imam Khomeini is talking to them. They know it in and out, but they know it in and out. And so he's calling them out, let alone today. The guy doesn't even know what asalatul wujud means and implies what the pre. Prerequisites for such a thing idea are all he knows is that there is this concept out there called Asaratul Wujud and he's dropping this thing here left and right on social media, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> that this person like this is like horrible. Hijab Dulmani, like to the next level, right? Yeah, in Islamic terms, in Islamic from an Islamic perspective, religious knowledge and religious let's call it information and data does not equal religious knowledge from an islamic perspective knowledge of ideas religious information and data does not equal religious knowledge religious ilm. well then what does equal religious ilm according to islam it says well let's look at a verse of the quran for example innama yakshallah Min that those who have knowledge of God's servants are the ones who have khashya, for example. It says all those ulama out there of God's servants, those who possess real knowledge are who? The ones who have who have khashya. They are they feel that they have fear of Allah. They feel low and lowly before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They have humility. In other words, if you find somebody who can teach you al-asfar al-arba'a, in and out, cover to cover, right? But doesn't have khashyatullah, that is not an alim. That is not a possessor of real knowledge, Islamic knowledge, real, uh, knowledge of the deen. They don't have it. In Islam, okay, according to what we have here that I'm teaching off of, Religious knowledge equals that which has brought about change within an individual. Humility is one of them. Yeah? Another one would be, for example, Zuhd. A person who has special information that others don't have, yet is still clinging on and is attached to dunya, this person is like, there's nothing special about them. Oh, he's an alim. No, no, no. From an Islamic perspective, it's not. he's not an alim. But he has a, he has a turban on his head. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. 
uh, that verse uh, that we have in the Quran about what's his name? Balaam, what his name was, where it says that we gave him our signs. We gave him our signs. There was somebody, we gave him our signs. Fansalaka minha. Uh, and he stuck to this dunya we gave him signs we gave him special knowledge and yet he clung to the dunya try to like eternally stay in this dunya as if so this person the Quran speaks of him in such manner it says that his example is that of the kalb the dog that's always panting you give it it's panting you don't give it panting you get close to it far away it's always panting Right? It's never satisfied as if. Right? So that's what an alim in the conventional sense of the term can reach, that the Qur'an uses the parable of the panting dog. Now, of course, the Qur'an is not trying to be condescending here. Right? It's giving an example of, it's, it's talking about the panting. It's always panting. Right? So according to... Th According to Imam Khomeini and others, of course, and yeah, we have hadiths for this as well. Information, data, these kinds of things aren't going to be enough if they're not bringing about change within an individual. And if that's the case, and what they are bringing for an individual is instead takabur, me seeing myself, me taking pride in myself more than others, me feeling like I'm somewhere. This is going to be hijab dulmani without a doubt. And I'm sorry to say this, I'm one of them, I'll be one of them, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll admit it. But what we have today happening out there is this right here. Is this right here? And it's so bad that, as I said, people don't even know what they're talking about when they're mentioning certain concepts. They just mention it because they've heard it. <laughs> and so they feel like they got something now. You got nothing. Like, you're, like shame on you for not being truthful to yourself. At least be a person who has the idea down properly. And then, yeah, is also going to be um, pr pr proud about it, right? But you, you got nothing to be bragging about, and still you have this hijab on you as well. If you're going to have a hijab on you, at least make it worth it. <laughs> right? If you're going to have a veil of darkness on you, make it worth it. At least you are taking pleasure in the fact that you have all this knowledge, and you're better than the rest. All right, that's good. At least it's worth it, so to speak. Of course, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm speaking very loosely here. Not somebody who doesn't even have that much and still is going to get hit with this hijab, this veil, and is covered with this veil of darkness. And so here, Imam Khomeini says something important. He says, look, that's why these alims whose knowledge, whose philosophy, whose ilm of hadith, whose ilm of Qur'an has become their veil, they're worse than the rest. Why? Because the rest, the engineer, the archaeologist, right, the blacksmith, they are yielding the results of their knowledge. A blacksmith eventually, right, he's making those horseshoes. You know what I'm saying? The meteorologist is on, you know, on the news and telling us about what the weather is going to look like, inshallah, this Saturday. You know, June 5th, right? <laughs> they're telling, they're, they're doing what is expected. But this knowledge, what was the expectation of it? To yield a certain result, which was what? Which is higher stations, and it's not yielding that. So you're either you're not yielding anything, or even worse, you're, you're yielding the opposite of what is expected of what you bear, of what you're carrying of knowledge. And so usually, people who are gaining knowledge of religion, 
they are people who have to make sacrifices of the dunya anyway. Okay? Lots of times, especially when they're younger and they're going after these, uh, these studies, they are sacrificing some dunya. Yeah? Uh, I'll never forget, I heard somebody saying this. I was in line somewhere in Qom. And, you know, there was a respected sheikh in line as well. It was one of those places that, you know, it was uh, one of those places where you know, the, the Hausa students line up for certain things. They need to get certain things from. Um, I think it was it had to do with, um, I, don't know, I don't remember exactly what it was. But yeah, we were in a line. And so I, I overheard him speaking to somebody else saying like, yeah, if I had spent the time that I spent studying, I could have had like three PhDs by now, right? Not that he was necessarily complaining, but you know, this was something that was being talked about. But the point being that, yeah, you have to make certain sacrifices if you want to do these studies, right? So now I want to share with you this, that if a person is not going to eventually yield the result that is expected, expected not by the people, by Allah, if they're not going to yield it, and this is not just for Hausa students and scholars, this is for all of us, by the way, because all of us have a, a wadifa and a duty to learn the amount of religion we need for our felicity in the hereafter at the end of the day. So this is not just for Hausa students. But the amount of study you have, right? For, you know, you will have a corresponding amount of sacrifice you will have to make to gain that knowledge. The fact that you guys are here right now, right? That, that's a sacrifice at the end of the day. Who's, who's playing in the playoffs tonight? I don't know who's playing, but you know, there's some sacrifice that is made sometimes, right? Now, You've lost dunya for something that was supposed to get you akhirah at least in return, but you didn't get akhirah either. <laughs> so that's what the Quran refers to as, uh, or we have a verse in the Quran that speaks of khasirah, dunya wal akhirah. This person lost the dunya and the akhirah. That's the biggest loser. And so in our hawza, where we were growing up back in the day, I still remember, and I'll never forget this, right when you would enter the hawza, our principal had put a big uh, uh, thing at the, there was a big, uh, what do they call them, placard or whatever you, little board on the board. Big in writing for the 15, 20 years that I was in Qom, every, you would see this. He would never take it down. And it was, it had gotten old and, but it's still there. Bam, in your face when you walk in. <laughs> right? What did it say? It said, oh you who have come. And this was a, a quote from Shahid Quddusi one of the two founders of the school that you know we grew up in, the houses that we grew up in, Shahid Behishti and Shahid Quddusi. This was a quote from Shahid Quddusi that you houses students who are coming here now to study Islam and all that, if you're coming, uh, he was, uh, Shahid Quddusi was the son-in-law of Allama Tabatabai, by the way. You know, there's pictures of him sitting at the same table or Dastakhan uh, on the ground with Allama Tabatabai. So think about that. <laughs> This guy was serious. I, I never met him. He was Shaheed before we went. Uh, um, but yeah, uh, this guy was, they say he was very serious, very strict, and very akhlaqi. And so he says that those of you who are coming so that inshallah you can gain knowledge, and of course I'm paraphrasing here, gain knowledge and so you can go back to your cities and towns and villages, wherever it is, so that the people can now, you know, respect you and kiss your hand and pray behind you, etc. Leave this work right now. Don't even come. Go back and pursue a halal livelihood so that you don't become khasira dunya wal akhira. Right? So if any one of us ever wants to pursue any knowledge and that has to do with the deen especially, 
we have to always have this echoing in our minds echoing in our minds am i learning this so that like later on i can teach it to others so that i can post about it you know here and there this and that no 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 even the fact that i'm sitting here right now you know going through these notes and going through these books and so on i have to be very careful myself who are we kidding or else this is going to be hijab and not just any hijab this hijab at least let it be a hijab nurani but it can't it won't be that even it will be hijab zulmani for me yeah so i have to be very very careful all of us have to be very very careful and this is why this is why sometimes when allah subhanahu wa ta'ala really loves somebody you know what he does he won't even let them gain too much religious knowledge. Now, this is my own understanding here. I'm sharing with you, but I have you. You will find this here and there from other scholars as well saying this. Yes, sometimes if Allah loves a servant of His, He might not let him, He might not even let them be too successful when it comes to gaining religious knowledge. I love it. One time there was this class that we were having. Um, with one of these outstanding teachers and it was a private one too so it wasn't like 100 students or 50 or 30 or 20 students like 5 or 6 students, 10 students and uh, it was a Rajal class and so I still remember when this teacher of ours uh, he got to the discussion on Ayatollah Burujirdi's work there aren't too many books written on Ayatollah Burujirdi's uh, uh, Rajali school of thought there are some but not as much as you have for other ulama and so, or especially the one that uh, works that will introduce his magnum opus, as they call it. And so, I remember I was the one in charge of recording these sessions. And so, that day that I was recording that session, the one that I wanted to keep the most, because I'm very interested in, you know, looking into that school of thought more and more as well, into the Burujirdis. The recording was like the first maybe 20 minutes of the hour and a half of the class. Why? Because somebody had called in the middle and my phone that was recording had stopped recording. Right? These smartphones, sometimes they're not smartphones, they're dumb phones. Like, don't you understand that you might want to continue the recording after the call, <laughs> right? <laughs> At least. So I missed 10, 20 seconds of that, re of that lecture instead of losing the whole thing after that. It was on silent. It was in front of the ustad. I couldn't see what's going on to like dismiss the call and restart the recording or something. In the end, I noticed that it hadn't recorded. So the one who was in charge of these classes, the main brother and the main sheikh that was in charge of them, after the class, I told him, I was like, oh my God, we lost this recording. It's, all, it's, go it's gone and no one else is recording. And, you know, uh, my notes weren't complete. Uh, I wanted to complete my notes, etc. I was upset about this. You know what he said? He's like, oh, okay, it wasn't there. It wasn't meant to be for them. It wasn't meant to be for the ones that are going to be in the Telegram or WhatsApp group that are going to be downloading this later. I'm like, whoa. And I could tell he, where he was coming from too. He was like, these things, all right, so what? If you, didn't, if you never learn about Ayatollah Burujirdi, what's going to happen? <laughs> that he, and this is his, this is, these are some of the main points in his Rajali school and in his main work that he has. Who cares? Ah, oh, Rajal is so important. If I have it, fine. If I don't have it, it's not like, okay, like man and now this guy is like he's like my age <laughs> not some person that's like super old and like super like you know known for irfan and stuff he's like but no he's always i could always see him as someone who is very akhlaqi as well and i was like wow yeah he's right so what who cares missed we missed out on it so what we'll find it somewhere else you know that kind of thing yeah so i'm going to end with this quote by imam khomeini 
and then we're going to continue inshallah next week now um what i want to make clear is this that uh i want to make clear is this that uh after saying all of this religious studies and religious uh, mafahim and concepts and ideas this in no way is discouraging anyone to go in to these studies or to learn them on the side or whatever that's not the case there's a whole explanation that has to be given that I'm going to be leaving for next for next session, okay? So that is of the utmost importance as well, okay? And for that, I'm going to read uh, a quote from Imam Khomeini as well in one of his books on what he says and what is meant by the, all of this. What is meant is not that a person should not now, okay, so we should stay away from religious studies because there's a, there's a threat there for us. No, 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 no. It has nothing to do with that. We just have to go in there with the right perspective, okay? And we'll talk about that. But before we get there, just, you know, just to... Uh, end with what Imam Khomeini says here regarding this this veil of darkness. He says, uh, it's interesting, he says, <laughs> He says, Oh, uh, pursuer of mafahim and concepts, but the one who has lost the haqaiq, the truths and the essence of things, the core of things, you know. <laughs> and when he says these things, he's usually talking to himself, by the way. He really goes hard on himself in these books. And that's what I like about old school, these old school ulama. They would go so hard on themselves. And you know, when you read these things again and again and you hear them from them again and again, a culture is developed within you of, you know, not giving yourself the benefit of doubt usually. Not usually giving yourself benefit of doubt when it comes to these matters. And then you find the exact opposite in today's world. In this world today of social media again, where you look at something, you're like, okay, this, like, you can tell this is, like, totally off in the sense of, like, if you're going to, why are you even talking about something like this? This, uh, if Imam Khomeini had what you have, he wouldn't be talking about it. <laughs> but you're putting it out there for everybody. Like, what's going on here? It's very clear that you shouldn't be sharing certain information even that is only for you. If it's a good experience that you had or is a certain thing that took place for you, whatever. These guys would go so hard on themselves and would hide everything. And you're just going out there saying everything, anything that has happened and has not even happened, you're talking about. Anyway, he says, O pursuer of concepts who's lost the haqaiq, yeah, the truths. Uh, reflect a little bit. See what you actually gained of ma'rifah. Okay? and ma'arif what trace of the truth can you now find within you and qualities of the truth which is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala of course <laughs> he says music and the knowledge of music might be higher than that which you've attained this is crazy because he's speaking to Hausa students right now okay those who have knowledge of the deen It might be more precise here, it says, daqiq, than what you have. Right? Astron astronomy or astrology, mechanics, other natural sciences, all of these, yeah, these might be up to par with what you have. The same way those knowledges and sciences will not bring al irfanu billah and ma'rifatullah, right? Your knowledge also has not brought you ma'rifah and irfan. Irfan, practical irfan. Like, you know, irfan meaning ma'rifah of Allah. Right? So he's, 
he's like very blunt here. He doesn't care who's going to get upset. But no, all my life, I've studied the books. I've, I've, gone, I've, I've gone through everything. I'm, I've reached the as Al-Asfar Al-Arba'ah. I've reached Al-Futuhat Al-Makkiyah and the likes. I've reached this, I've reached that. I have done tafsir of entire Quran. You know, I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't say this if Imam Khomeini is saying this. I'm just quoting him. <sighs> he says, as long as there's a veil, yes, over you because of these things, you're not going to get anywhere. Nothing of nur, nothing of anything is going to, is going, you're, you're going you're gonna to benefit from at all. Yeah. He says, so you never reach the haqqaiq, you never reach the ma'arif, all you gained was some istilahat, some terms and some words and some concepts. And all this was for you, was all, the, all, this, that all this yielded for you was takabbur and arrogance and taking pride and thinking that you're better than other ulama and scholars. That's all. He says, ma'arif and teachings that only add to the darkness of the heart are not ma'arif. Woe unto those ma'arif whose, whose fate and whose fruit, ultimate fruit is what? That you become the inheritor of shaitan. What do you mean, inheritor of shaitan? He says, why? Because shaitan had pride. And that's what you're inheriting from the knowledge that you have. It's as if you're an inheritor of shaitan by, 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 by gaining takabbur out of all this knowledge that you have. Yeah. And so I'm going to end with this verse, brothers and sisters, that... The Qur'an is telling us clearly, look, if you are going to, if they're going to pile books and words and ideas and concepts on your back, right, in your mind, if you're going to pile those up and accumulate them there, yet these are not absorbed by you, they do not bring about change in you, they don't change you, rather they bring you down, you will be an example of, and we're talking to all of us right now, we're, I mean, we're going to be very blunt here. You will be, and I will be, the example of the verse, that famous verse in Surah Jum'ah, that talks about the Yahud of that time, the Israel of that time. The, the, the books were put on them, they were imposed onto them, they were supposed to take them in and make them part of their you know, growth. But then they didn't do what they were supposed to. It's like that little that truck that you have out there right now. What do you do with trucks? You put the book in there, the books in there. If you ask the truck, what are you carrying? Or back then it wasn't trucks, it was donkeys. So the Quran says, Like a donkey that you load books on. Okay, when you load books on it, if you ask that donkey, hey donkey, what are you carrying? Is it going to say books? Or is it going to say just something that has some weight? It's say something that has weight. It doesn't matter if it's a bunch of chairs, or if it's a bunch of books, some of the best books ever. For a donkey, for a truck, what is it? It's just a weight that it's carrying. That's why the Quran says, الحمار يحملو أثقالا. It is like that truck, it is like that donkey that you load weight with. If you ask it, what are you carrying? It says, I'm carrying weight, أثقال. It doesn't say I'm carrying books, or knowledge, or this, it doesn't even know. Because it's not benefiting from it. All that matters to it is that this is what it is. And so we don't want to become an example of that. Yes? And, f and this applies to all of us, not just scholars, although the scholars are the main target here of the arrows he's shooting. 
But it's anyone who has gained religious knowledge, they have to be very careful because if it's not helping, the least is that it will be a veil of light. And the worst case of it, which lots of times happens, is that it's a veil of darkness. We seek refuge in Allah from that. And inshallah, next week, we'll continue with this, uh, this discussion. There are more nice things that Imam Khomeini has said. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Any questions? All right. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.